Hey everyone, Josh and Ryan here, and welcome back to the 2% Podcast. Research shows if you put 100 random people in a room, somewhere amongst them, there'll be just two truly incredible, inspirational people who are living their lives to the fullest. In this podcast, we bring those exact people to you, week in, week out. 2% of a day is just half an hour, so thank you for taking 2% of your day to be educated and inspired by joining us on our journey as we learn the secrets, routines and dreams of the two percenters. Okay, awesome. So now we're going to jump into the word association game. So we've got 10 words for you, Mesh. Just the instant reaction uh, association that you have and um, we will see how it goes and react to them. So the first word is purpose. Truthful. Profit. Never. Space. Time. Hunger. Always. Drive. Ambition. Clouds. Dirt. Joy. Family. Humor. Passion. Mentor. Many. Value. Important. All right, sweet. Thank you so much. Hopefully that wasn't too stressful. Uh, sometimes it's a, it's, a, it's a new experience for people just reacting instantly to, to words and I know putting people on the spot sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm going to pick straight up on purpose and truthful, I think. Uh, what was your kind of association there? Is that kind of leading with your purpose and always being honest about it? What, what was your thoughts on, on that? I think to find true purpose in life, whatever you're doing, you need to be true to yourself. And it's something that I struggle with and, and it's something that is a work in progress. But I think if you can be true to yourself and you can be true to the essence of what you're trying to achieve with your business, your project, your life, um, you will find true purpose. So I think that was my logic. Okay. Cool. I'm going to jump straight in with the next one, actually, because that one surprised me just as much as the, the truthful one, which was profit and never. So um, before I sort of throw any of my own assumptions at it, just explain what, what your um, connection was there. I build businesses and projects because I'm interested in them, not because I think they're going to be profitable and make me money. Uh, money is a byproduct. I think I've launched many businesses that aren't very profitable or didn't make me a lot of money. But um, yeah, money is, is something and, and profit in particular is something that is important for sure, but it shouldn't be the goal. The goal should always be the idea and what, how it makes you feel and your attachment to it. Mm. Just to stick with that for a little bit. So, cause I think often, and you'll probably see this more as a, as a mentor of businesses, but probably people start with that profit in mind as the, as the main goal. Uh, how often do you see that in the entrepreneurship space in terms of people maybe aren't being truthful about what their actual purpose is and they're just aiming for that monetary reward? Well, yeah, I think, I think the biggest problem is most people aren't actually trying to achieve profit. They're trying to achieve revenue and growth and they're trying to be like a lot of tech companies that have raised billions and billions and, and never turned a profit. So I think profit is a, is a, is an odd word to use. Um, 
I think for me, the way I approach it and, and the way that I've seen it is that actually um, it's, it's purpose. It, it, it's the reasoning behind you do why you do a business or why you do a project and then business and, uh, and profit and revenue comes. So I think, yeah, that's my association with it anyway. Yeah. And so aside from, from the word association thing now, but with, with that, we've never having that profit in mind. Have you ever, have you ever questioned that or at any point thought, you know, am I putting myself at financial risk here? Is this the right path? Or have you always just believed that as long as I'm pursuing ideas that I'm passionate about and, and believe in, then it, then it's the right path for me. I mean, it's something that I, everyone and every entrepreneur battles with, but I think, you know, there's a, there's a distinction that needs to be made is even if my businesses have never been profitable, I'm still making money. I'm still uh, paying the bills and I'm still uh, earning an income. It's just not necessarily um, growing to the height where I'm reinvesting all the time. Um, but I think I've always thought about my businesses as how do I make them scalable? How do I make them long-term? How do I grow them? And it may not always be the case, but I'm thinking, you know, five-year, 10-year visions. Again, it's my blue sky thinking uh, nature. So, you know, money shouldn't be rushed. Money will come as you grow, as you develop, as you build a brand. And that's the way I've always approached it. Do you think it's possible then to build a successful business with purely profit in mind? Oh, 100%. I think, um, again, it comes back to what you do with the profit. If the profit is going into buying Lamborghinis and buying houses and, and gambling, then maybe not. But if that profit is going to reinvesting in your people, in your business, in training, in scaling, in learning and education, then I think, yes, absolutely. Profit is, shouldn't be a dirty word. I think it's how you allocate that profit. And, and the almost reasoning and logic behind how you use that profit is what really needs to be looking at the psychology of how that money is utilized. And I think that's where a lot of companies and founders go wrong. I always go back to one of my mentors and, and he always speaks to people and he says, tell me about your business. And people will always go, how big my office is, the number of desks that I have, the headcount of people um, or the number of clients. It's never really about the numbers that matter, which is the retention of staff, how we've reallocated mm. resources, uh, the lessons that we've learned, whether we've managed to retain clients as well as add clients at the same time, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's the metrics that really matter. Yeah, I think that's what I was trying to sort of pick up on is like, do you think that in that way, people are focused on the wrong thing when they're growing their startup or growing their business? Yeah. They, they are, they are. And, and I think that comes back to, you know, there are amazing shows like Dragon's Den and uh, Apprentice and Shark Tank. Uh, and I think they're great, but I think they've romanticized uh, entrepreneurship a bit too much. And I think too many people are thinking about, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to set up a business. And then in three years, I'm going to sell it to Google and I'm going to make a, you know, a shit ton of money and life's going to be great. And I'm going to retire on a beach in Bahamas. The reality isn't that. And I think, um, you've got to go into business with the attitude that I'm building something that's going to have a, a fantastic effect on a large group of people. I'm going to make the world a little bit of a better place. 
and I'm going to learn along that journey. It's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. But ultimately, if I stick with it, I will succeed. And succession can be a multitude of different factors depending on the individual. So I think, yes, I think too many people go into entrepreneurship with the wrong mindset. And ultimately, that's probably why they fail. Great. Okay. So, um, Mesh, I'll pick up on humor and passion. So I, I, would, I wouldn't have associated humor as your passion. I thought entrepreneurship was your passion. But uh, tell me more about that. Well, I think it comes back to my love of people and networking. And, you know, I'm very much a believer in that you are a product of the five people that you spend the most time with, right? Um, but I'm also a believer in that if you're not constantly evolving and, and changing and learning and meeting new people and, and putting yourself out there and having fun and, you know, not taking yourself too seriously, um, if you do those things, then the life journey, the entrepreneurial journey will be a lot richer as a result. And entrepreneurship is a crushing, difficult, lonely place and humor gets me through it. So you know, my passion is entrepreneurship, but my passion is also hanging out with people, having a good time, living life. And that's why I associated that word. Awesome. Yeah. Now I'm going to pick up on a couple of words now together. Because uh, I think they link quite well. So the the mentor and many answer, and then the clouds and dirt as well. What are your your thoughts around those two? So the mentor one, I I paused because I could have gone in so many directions there. But the one thing that that struck me is I've had lots of different mentors um, over my lifetime. Uh, some have been immediate family, like my dad, and he's been a consistent mentor throughout my life. Um, but I've had mentors that I've had for a week and they've taught me something very specific or they've shown me a particular path. And then I've gone and done that and never spoken to them again. So I think I've had many uh, mentors, depending on the career journey that I've been on, the circumstance I've been in, uh, too many to mention. But they've all played a really important role in, in shaping my career and my life. And then the clouds and, and the dirt thing is, you know, he's a he's a controversial figure and you either like him or you hate him. But Gary Vaynerchuk is someone who from afar has been a mentor to me. I've read his books. I've been a, a passionate advocate of, of a lot of the things he says. And he talks about the clouds and the dirts. And I'm very much a, a clouds person. I, I live in the sky. I'm a visionary. I think high level. But, but as we talked about earlier, I am nothing without people around me that work in the dirt, that understand the nitty gritty of a business, that do the hard graft. And it's important to recognize where you are and also where they are and how you can work together. So, for example, my... Um, my current business partner, Vivian, um, with Twist, uh, she is also a visionary, but she's very good at getting shit done. She's really good at processes and putting things together and planning and, and writing everything down and, and, and touching base with that. And I'm terrible at those things. So she keeps me very honest and very grounded and very focused. And I think we're achieving great things when you have both the cloud and the dirt working together. Yeah, no, I love that concept. I mean, I'm going to pick back up on just quickly on the, the mentorship one, because I think there's maybe a misconception or certainly my assumption is that a mentor is somebody that maybe you have to cultivate a longer term relationship with. And so I think it's, it's fascinating that you come at it from saying, actually, I've had a mentorship for one conversation for one week, kind of that, that approach. So do you think to define a mentor, you have to just simply add value to somebody that they then carry forward with them? 
Yeah. Good mentorship for me is a, a positive mindset and a willingness to give in that moment, whatever it is, and to, to support, to listen, to guide and to give. And I think that can be a conversation. It could be a phone call. It could be a podcast. It could be a long-standing relationship to, with someone that you go to. But um, I've had a five-minute mentor and I've had a five-year mentor. And both have had real exponential and important impacts on, on, on me and ha- the way I shape my thinking and the way I've lived my life. So it's more about a mindset and a state of mind than the longevity of that relationship. Mm. And just sort of transitioning now out of the word association game, but picking up on that mentor word still and sticking with that topic, I'd like to ask you a few more questions about your role as a mentor because you've had many for, um, from what I've seen of, of different startups. And, and so firstly, I'd like to ask you how you choose or if you do choose what startups you mentor and do you have almost a, a criteria list that founders should be looking to hit to, to reach mentors like yourself? It's a really good question, and I probably should have a, a wish list and a hit list, but I think that perhaps ruins the, the spontaneous and the fun and, and serendipitous nature of meeting startups. I meet a lot of startups, whether it be through events, obviously not so much now, um, through connections, through conversations and email intros. And so I really judge whether I'm going to work with that individual or, or, or that company based on the relationship I have with them. I'm very much a people person. I believe people buy from people. And if I have a good understanding and connection with that founder or founding team, then I will give them you know, all, all the time I have available to them. And I may not necessarily believe in the product or the service or what they're trying to do, or even the direction of the company, but I would like to work with them and, and guide them. Um, but for me, I, I think the biggest things that I think about is the founding team, uh, what they're like, are they passionate? Are they driven? Are they serious about, um, what they're doing or are they just wasting my time? Um, I think, do they have, are they visionary? Are they thinking global? Are they thinking big? Do they have ambition? And that excites me in someone or an organization that I'm looking to mentor. There has to be an element of uniqueness. You know, I, I'm not going to mentor an organization that is just giving me the exact business model of Uber or Airbnb. There has to be a spin. There has to be a uniqueness. There has to be a niche element that excites me. And then I think, you know, if I had to pick one more, it comes back to that humor and passion. Do I think I'm going to enjoy this relationship? Uh, do I do I think I'm going to have fun? Do I think I'm going to learn on a on a on a perhaps a slightly selfish level? I think it comes back to you know do I think I'm going to be able to give to the best of my ability? But do I think I'm going to get something from this? Uh, and if the answer is yes, then I'm all in. Mm. And so, so do, you, do you get a lot of requests for mentorships? Like how much time would you say? Because obviously you're busy with your own projects, and like you say, you're always doing different things. How much time do you find to put into the, just helping these, these businesses and mentoring them? Yeah. Truth be told, I perhaps haven't done as much in, in recent months, partly because, you know, launching my own podcast launching my own business and, and been traveling quite a lot up until lockdown has hit. But previously I was mentoring on at least six accelerator programs in the UK. Um, I, you know, was working, with social enterprises 
I was working with students uh, and I would probably say that I was at any one time maybe working with about five to 10 startups a month. Um, and that could be for an ongoing period or that could just be for a couple of phone calls and a, and a couple of meetings and coffees. Um, but I think, you know, if, if I was thinking now, I've probably worked in the region of around between 500 and 600 startups at some point in my career. Wow. Yeah, that's an, that's an impressive number. So I'm sure you've seen a, a lot of, you know, successes and a lot of mistakes along the way as well. So what sort of, if you're going to pinpoint perhaps one common mistake that you see founders making and you sort of just guide them off that path, what would that be? Trying to raise investment too early. They, they're thinking about money. They're thinking about bringing um, people in, reducing their equity and all the shiny things that go with, with raising investment from angels or VCs. And actually they haven't thought about the, the simple but important things like the vision, the mission, the goal, the um, can we bootstrap? Uh, can we can we become profitable from day one? Can we bring in revenue early on? Can we get a product out there, an MVP? So I think too many people think about the high level. And again, it comes back to those shows out there that romanticize the nature of raising funding, but they haven't got the nitty gritty of what their business is. And I think, you know, too many founders fall into that trap and I have to remind them, you're not going to raise any money until you tell me, you know, what your product market fit is, uh, who your customer is, um, what your niche is and what your USP is and, 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 and what your founding team bring to the, to the market. So get the basics done and then you will succeed. Yeah. Just as a bit of a almost challenge to that is that, you know, you mentioned like they might not, you know, they're thinking about these funding and the, and all these shiny things and then maybe not the simple things such as the vision. I think I kind of empathize in, in a sense in that maybe some of them, they're thinking of that vision and because they've got that big end goal inside, they're thinking, well, this is what I've seen, you know, like you say on these shows, this is how I need to get, um, you know, I've seen the case studies of the Ubers and the Amazons or whatever it is. I need to get funding to reach that big, you know, blue sky inside. Is that, is that something that you, you understand where I'm coming from? Completely understand it, but I think there's a there's a little nuance there in that founders change their vision and their goal with the raising of investment. So they move the goalposts based on how much money they raise, and they'll move them again based on the next tranche of money that they raise. And I think if you look at the truly successful businesses, the titans of industry that have stood the test of time, the Microsofts, the Apples, the Googles of the world, they've always stayed true to their vision. Google, I, I think their, their vision is around, you know, organizing the world's information and putting it in a form that creates meaning. And I think they've always done that. Even now that they're creating their own phones and they're creating their own, you know, uh, laptops and, uh, and everything else, still at the heart of what they do is the organization of information for the benefit of all. And I think, you know, that is what I really want founders to understand. Don't change and mold your vision based on funding. Nail that to a T and make sure that the funding allows you to, to grow that, scale that and reach that quicker, faster, cheaper, easier, whatever it may be. Yeah, no, I love that. One thing I would pick up on from, I think the question before that was, saying that as a mentor, there are times where you don't agree with maybe the direction or, or the way that they 
approach things as a founder. How difficult is that uh, to play in your mind as somebody that has run businesses, has, has founded business after business? And how difficult is it to kind of give your opinions, I suppose? Because I think there's a role of a mentor to be a sounding board and to be a guide, but not to tell. But is, is there any times where you're kind of conflicted in that way to say, actually, no, you're doing it wrong? Yeah, all, all the time. And I think, you know, it's worth noting that I'm not a trained psychologist or a psychiatrist. I'm not a, you know, there are coaches and there are people and mediators and there are individuals outside of the tech and startup world and mentors as well that are really careful to not put their own take and spin and really to just guide that individual on that journey. Um, as a business mentor, I'm there to help that company not make the mistakes that I'm seeing that they potentially will make. So I'll be pretty bullish and I'll say, look, I'm going to be hands on. I'm going to tell you straight. This is a terrible idea. These are the reasons why these are companies that I've seen that have gone down this route and this is what's happened. Now that's a fact. You can take that with a pinch of salt and you can roll with it how you want, but I'm just telling you from my point of view, and advising you from my experience and what I've seen on X, Y, and Z strategies that you may or may not have. So I think for me, you know, a business mentor and a startup mentor is yes, at times that guiding soundboard to kind of listen and, and be supportive of the mentor and the founding team and to help them on their journey. And at other times it's to, it's to play the devil's advocate and it's to push them, to prod them and get them to perhaps unravel their their idea or their strategy to think about it a little bit more and then say so now what are you going to do so i think that's why i like the business mentor and i perhaps would find it very difficult to be a coach or a psychiatrist that isn't there to enforce their their will uh, i think i am an individual that is pretty good at doing that whether that's right or wrong but i do it with a with a positive frame in mind, I want to help the individual. I, I'm, I'm doing it from a place of, of, of positivity and, and guidance more than anything. Mm, great. Okay. So then, so outside of your role of a mentor now, then coming back to your own, your own journey, what's next and what's current for, for Mesh? What's he working? So, you know, you've got, you've started your podcast recently, you've got the new uh, twist club venture. Tell us a bit more about that and what's to come in the future. Yeah. So, as we talked about networking, bringing people together, collaboration, human connection is what I'm all about. And uh, the podcast came about because I wanted to share and acknowledge the stories of people doing amazing things. Those visionaries, those pioneers, the people who challenged the status quo. And I wanted to delve under the skin of what makes that individual, uh, their story, their background, their childhood, their vision for the future. And so for me, that's been a passion project that I, you know, I've just really started uh, so far and it's been amazing. Uh, Twist is also kind of in the similar mold. I've been very disappointed in recent years by the quality of networking events that I've been to. It's the same people talking about the same kinds of topics at the same venues in London in particular, serving the same food and by the same sponsors. <laughs> it, it was very just one dimensional. I didn't think it, there, there was true innovation. So I was like, well, I love food. I love drink. I love people. 
is there a format through perhaps a supper club and an in-dining experience where we can bring interesting people together, similar to what you're doing with your podcast? I believe that if you put interesting people in a room and don't have too much of an agenda and a structure, good things will happen. And so we ran our first in-person event in, in January in a, an amazing restaurant, Restaurant Hours uh, in South Kensington and brought 14 people together and it was a wonderful evening. And sadly, COVID hit and that changed up our model. And so now we've done five virtual events with people around the world, uh, very intimate affairs. And it's been amazing how we can connect on a human level via Zoom and via you know a webcam and a, and a laptop and how we care and create empathy and how we want to, we're, we're willing to give up our time and energy to support people. So that's been a really amazing journey for me. Uh, and those two projects have, have really kept me busy. And then the other things that, that I found fascinating during lockdown is I'm someone who travels a lot and I've done zero traveling in the last couple of months. But what it's allowed me to do is to take stock of the things that really matter to me and that is family that is friends that is my health both mental and physical and it's given me the time and space to, to work on myself to supercharge myself and re-energize myself so i can kick start the podcast even further and i can kick start the uh the supper club business and and all the other things that i'm doing so for me that's really what i'm working on right now Fantastic. Yeah, a lot going on then. Uh, just a quick one for, for me, you know, how did how much did that COVID throw you your head in a spin after you just sort of launching a networking thing? I think that's the worst time to, to be hit by that. And also, how do you, uh, you mentioned that food was a big sort of inspiration for that model. Are guests still dining on the virtual course? How do you incorporate that food and drink element into the, the net, virtual networking sessions? Yeah, it's a good question. So I was actually meant to be in Austin for South by Southwest, the big tech conference. And I was meant to be hosting one of our second um, supper club there. Then everything happened with COVID and then the conference got cancelled. So, um, so that was a, a real bummer. But actually, it forced me to go down that virtual route and still connect with people. And I think food plays a huge role. Food and drink plays a huge role in connection because, you know, conversations over coffee uh, are as old as, as time. So at the moment, we're not incorporating necessarily food into our supper clubs. It's more uh, drinks and and. Um, an activity of some kind where we can learn together, partly because I still think people are figuring out this whole Zoom, uh, working together online kind of thing that we're living in through. And then adding the layer of meeting new people for the first time, cooking food and eating, I think is too much. I think we'll get to that stage, but um, I really hope with, within the next two to three months, we'll go back to the, uh, the dining experience. I went to my first restaurant over the weekend in, in, in Clapham and it was actually a really good experience. So I, I hope to be bringing people together in a, in a physical environment very, very soon. No, amazing. I, I think you're doing some, some great things. It's definitely kind of watch this space in terms of twist and, and with big ideas as well. So I'm going to move out of, of this uh, now to the last section of the show so we've got a question from Presence, who is our last guest, and then think about, again, what, what you might want to know the answer to from, from our next guest. So the question for you is, what has stopped you from taking action in the past and how have you overcome it? Oh, great question there. I think fear. Again, I'm, I'm someone that thrives on fear often, but I still face it. There have been times when I've thought, 
you know, I'm not good enough, that imposter syndrome of actually, I don't think I can do this. And there'll be times where I haven't gone and applied for a job um, early on in my career because I didn't think I would get it and the fear of rejection. There being times when I didn't want to um, pitch to, to a certain client because I didn't think that, that we were a good fit for them. Perhaps we actually were. So I think there's been a multitude of times where I've let fear get the better of me and it's perhaps stopped me from getting that client, stopped me from getting that dream job or, or stopped me from growing. But at the same time, I think what it's allowed me to do and hindsight's a wonderful thing and, and reflection is, well, for whatever, hap for whatever, for better or for worse, it's led me down another direction and another path and I've ended up setting up another business. So in the end, I've made it work. So I think you shouldn't live with too many regrets. You should acknowledge that perhaps there have been times where fear, in my case, has got the better of me, but also acknowledge that something else is going to come along down the line and, you know, learn from that and make sure that you take the next opportunity. So, yeah, I think that's probably been the biggest thing is fear holding me back from a certain instance, but at the same time, recognizing that, you know, maybe down the line, something good has coming from it. So live with that and, and move forward in a, in a positive manner. Yeah. And I love that kind of, I suppose, kind of realistic optimism, maybe in a way of kind of thinking that actually it is more than likely that something positive might happen in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Okay. So we'll now ask you, Mash, um, for your, the very final question of the podcast. What would you like to know from our next guest? So a question to your next guest would be, what were the two most defining moments of their life where it changed for better or worse, or, or worse, shall I say, their, their thinking and outlook on who they are as an individual? Well, okay, very, very deep, profound question there for the next yes. Good luck to whoever, whoever faced <laughs> Yeah, it. looking forward to that one. <laughs> it, it's going to be a challenge, but I think, you know, f for me, the, the reason why I ask that question is because I do think there have been moments in everybody's lives that have defined them and shaped the direction of where they're going. And I perhaps think that we don't spend the time to think about that a little bit too much. Um, so for the next guest, maybe it's time that they take a little bit of time to think about that. Perfect. Love that. Well, Mesh, thank you so much for coming on to 2%. I think it's been a really insightful chat. I hope you've had a good time and uh, definitely stay in touch. Uh, where can people find you? Where can people connect with you in the podcast? Yeah, I mean, you can find me on, on all social media platforms, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, you know, just, you know, Mesh Kumar or Umesh Kumar, you, you'll, you should be able to find me. Um, you know, you can also email me as well. I'm more than happy to, to leave my email and perhaps you can leave them in the show notes. But sure. yeah, you can find me anywhere and, I, and I'm always happy to help and, and support where I can. And it's been a real pleasure to be on, on the podcast with you guys. I love what you're doing. I love the setup. And uh, I think you've got really exciting careers ahead of you. And uh, yeah, I wish you all the best with everything. Thank Amazing. you very much. Thanks so much. Well, that's it for another episode of the 2% Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed recording. If you or someone you know has a story to tell, we'd love to hear from you, so please get in touch. And if you have a question you want answering, send it in to us using Anchor Voice Messages, and you can feature in a future episode. All the links are in the description. Stay motivated, follow your dreams, and as always, do it with a smile.